Yeah. I'll react if I had to, put some things in the past to, and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. I'll react if I had to, put some things in the past to, and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. React if you have to, yeah. Don't know the time, boy. Just know that I'm, yeah. One of a kind, yeah. What's on your mind, yeah. What hard to find, yeah. Beautiful mind, yeah. Still in my prime, yeah. Just know that I'm, yeah. What's up, guys? Pond Off Synonymous, episode 21. Um, here we are. This is a... Uh, this episode could go... Could go really well, or, or it could go... Uh, up shit creek without a paddle like most of my childhood and <laughs> and I'm, and young I'm adulthood excited. i'm excited for this one this is gonna be great yeah i <laughs> i bet you are you've so so wanted to we we have by far and i may be biased with the the most beautiful guest we've ever had on um uh my my mother and uh, she has, I, I said I would never do this. I said I would never do it. And I've been getting people saying you should have your mother on. And and for those of you that have listened to this podcast, it's not uh, it's not something that you really want your mother hearing. Uh, some of the stories she doesn't, I'll start off with saying she doesn't condone the language I use. Go figure. Um, I, I think I got my, my mouth from my, her husband, my, my late father. Um, he taught me at a young age, probably, you know, younger than Charlie. So about five, four or five, that what you hear in the, in the locker room, we played hockey, what you hear in the locker room stays in the locker room and don't tell your mother the things you hear. So (laughs) mom, welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Finally. Yeah. Um I'm really nervous about this, Jeff. This could like I said like I said, this could go one or two ways. We uh it's special. This week was I guess, you know, I don't really get wrapped up in all the Hallmark holidays, but when you're uh when you're quarantined out, right? There's you know, when you see that it's a national nurses day you, and and my mother's a, an an RN and has been a nurse for as long as I've can remember. Um what a special week, considering all the times for nurses, and uh, seeing that this is going to drop um, the Monday following Mother's Day, uh, there was no better time to have on my my mother, um, who has walked a long journey a- alongside me and um, through through it all um, through all the through it all and we'll get there we'll get we we got quite a quite a story that we can share um but but she has she was uh she she's been i i i get called a mama's boy we we have our tiffs um i take responsibility for 90 most of all of them um but thank you <laughs> i have a younger sister and an older sister who are quite often in the wrong, but um, <laughs> rarely held accountable by by my mother. And uh, 
Well, Chris has always said he's the rose between two thorns. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> That's how I describe Chris. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so it was. I believe. The, there's Lila. There's Lila. Her little her little wiener dog next door. So the first person that <laughs> son of a bitch. She is a she is such a pain in the ass, guys. I she love her, but she's a pain in the ass. She oh. is barking at Charlie and Bristol, who are outdoors. Are they really? I think so. All I right. don't well, know. I... I don't know that for okay. sure. But... Anyway, sorry, uh, everyone, <laughs> but we're um, my my cousin Mark, who we've talked about on the on this podcast before, who owns the. Uh, the restaurants up the street and um, has been through quite a, a journey himself in, in life was the first one that said I should have my mother on. And um, my, his mother and my mother are sisters. And he did tell me that my mother would probably be the easier guest out of the, between her and my aunt, because uh, my, <laughs> my aunt's um She's a little maybe stricter uh, with some things, but uh, we did get a laugh out of that. And and at first, the idea to, to have her on was um, absolutely a, a non-starter. There's no way. I told people I didn't even want to fucking listen to this thing. Pardon my language, Mom. <laughs> you don't condone the language, right? I do not. And will you please not use the language um, while... I'm here for my mother's day present. Okay. Oh, oh man, big guns Th- there. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's asking a lot. Well, I I mean, I got you so many presents, I'll have to send those back then. <laughs> so that I've I've described mom on this podcast and you know my journey more than anyone, right? Um that there was there's probably two Two lives of 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 Chris of uh, the pre Tom dying and then the post Tom dying. My father. Um, it'll be eight years next week, and sometimes, uh, often to my mom's dismay, uh, Tom and I were were. Is it abnormally close? Are we just? I mean, we were. What. How would you describe our relationship? And well, you two were extremely close um, when you were obviously, you know, a baby. Dad would say to me, "You don't like him too much, do you?" Because I just couldn't seem to put you down ever. But I'll tell you, once your Cute feet, kid. yeah, once your feet hit the ground running. Um, Dad just sort of snatched you up from there and um, always said he's kind of stole you from me. And uh, you two just formed a bond um, that still exists. And um, yes, in many ways it was good. And there were some ways it was not so good in my eyes. And and that's what you can. Yeah, that's what we want to talk about, because um. When I was a, a young, I just I I idolized him, and you know, growing up in in ice rinks my whole life, and 
as you speaking of the cursing and the, the way I guess I played hockey, um, my mom found it harder and harder to come to to ice hockey games of mine. And and, and why is that, mother? Well, your temper was out of control, and dad didn't set any consequences for you. He, in fact, cheered you on for it. So you would use. <laughs> foul language on the ice you had a temper you spent most of your time in the penalty box so I thought I couldn't stand the behavior and why would I go when you were in the penalty box almost well, the entire game Catherine in my mom in my defense I was on both sides of the score sheet okay I had you know I'd put the puck in the net and I'd be in a box but Jeff <laughs> Jeff this when she's taught she this started about 10 when uh, I became a fluent I could I could cuss a kid out like nobody else, and I was super fluent. In fact, I, I would argue the consequence, Mom, was a two minute penalty. I got, I got a two minute two minute penalty, and then I got to come back out and play hockey. But uh, we so well, and also, Dad, I would tell you you had to wear the mouthpiece and the neck brace, and you'd get to the rink, and Dad would say, "No, you didn't." Mm. You know, <laughs> I would say you needed to wear the right size skates, and Dad said, "No, they had to be a size smaller." So that just Two started our parenting issues. Okay, that's <laughs> and then they 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 morphed on from there um, <laughs> to to put it calmly. But when, in fact, there was there was some times that when as I you know went to college and or even really before that. But when I went to college and then after college started working for him, um, our lifestyles were were unhealthy. Uh, we drank a lot. We, you know, did uh, ate unhealthy. And that was always my, my I can hear my, my mother and my father's sister, my aunts uh, in New York would be, they would try to come at us different ways about our health and you know, alcoholism and uh, just unhealthy habits ended up probably being a major contributor to my father's early uh, tragic death and um, on top of some other things. But as uh, the more I drank in my 20s and the more that I I did other things in my, t- in my 20s, um, I became, I think, hi- uh, highly volatile. Would you say that? Yes, absolutely. And oftentimes in addiction, and I see this now um, working with people that were where I was, you lash out at the person closest to you, the safest person. And I did that. I lashed out a lot at at my, my mother. Um, so much to that when, when Tom died, her and I, I hadn't spoken to her um, for about a month. I, you know, we were in, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of, and this isn't trashing ex relationship that I was in, but I, you know, have shared the story. Uh, it wasn't, the relationship was a super toxic, unhealthy relationship I was in, and it wasn't your tech, your like, you know that whole saying, you know, someone you bring home to your mother, like maybe this relationship wasn't that. <laughs> um, and I, I purposely, you know, pr- propose. I have a hard time even saying it. 
um, on on Easter Sunday to to take a shot. Like th- that's how the the redlining I was living my life in this anger um, and and drunken and drug cocaine and fueled days and when my when my father did die that instantly like it called my bluff uh i don't know if that makes sense but it called like that day i it's hard to even talk about it but that day i and we all rushed over to to the to the home where it happened and all that was done and over with from my standpoint and and I think they like when I say it called my bluff it was because I could glash out at at my mom and and be so you know volatile with her and but I knew she would never she would never leave me. So it was safe. And I know it's brutal to talk about and it sucks. And the reason I want to share it is because I want to talk about some funny things on this episode, but the the main thing I wanted to have you on mom, when I finally agreed to this fucking crazy idea, sorry for swearing. Um, I'll work on it. Uh, to have you on this R rated podcast about some real life ugliness out there that's happening. Uh, it's a disease is because I want to talk about enabling with you and what that looks like from your perspective. Because since I've gotten sober and and clean and lived a life of recovery, I it's some of the hardest conversations I have to have with mothers on enabling their child. Um A because enabling it's it's much more difficult and it's mo- so much more ingrained in the uh, dynamic of the re- mom the mother child relationship. Then it, it comes so natural to mothers that it's it's hard. It's not enabling is more than just saying, "Oh, I'll buy you a bottle of alcohol." There's so many more layers to it that you don't naturally know until you are in it and start, you know, exhausting support groups and and talking about it. So. So I bring that up, the the hard shit that we went through and the way that I may have treated um treated you in my twenties and up until Tom dying <clears throat> because I was really you, you lash out at the person closest to you that won't won't leave you and I can say that my my mom would never ever leave leave me through it all. And she's proven that um and then what it turned into after tom died for i would say for 22 months until i checked into rehab i was able to to work the enabling system um with her and tug on her heartstrings as a mother as all almost all addicts and at least attempt and they until they exhaust the resources enough to where it's time to shape up or ship out and and that's why that's the main reason I I wanted to have you on and and I I really I think, think mothers ours... can relate to to that because as a mom well I know I love Chris 
my love for Chris is everlasting. It's unconditional. And I nurtured him his all his life. So it was love and nurturing. And then I realized he was manipulating me and I was not nurturing him. I was enabling him. So. Yep. And, um, after, after he died, I, we, I mean, it was all I had left was my, was my mother. I had a relationship and, you know, I often think God puts people in our lives for a reason, right? So, and, um, it's not all bad and it's not that it's all the other person's fault. Um, anytime I talk about that past relationship I was in, but there was a, uh, it was just toxic. It was, you know, a, a very unhealthy in terms of uh, drugs and alcohol. And there was something, though, not being completely alone going through that. Um, like, and I say, I was probably, I don't know if I was clinically fucking suicidal. Sorry. But I had given up on everything. And to have a body with me for 24 hours a day and my from your standpoint mom the reason I'm bringing it up is because you knew in your heart that it wasn't the the probably wasn't the right relationship that would lead me to a life of health what are your 3 H's oh my 3 H's has always been my prayer for my children to be holy, healthy, and happy in that order. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This particular relationship I was in because of two parties, not just one, I'm taking responsibility for it, were zero of those H's. And and she knew that, but she saw me literally dying, um, have given up on life, on everything after after he died that she was able to push that aside and include and be a, and try to support again and that talk about against your entire fabric and your being to to do that that that's above that that's what that's just that's where we were at during that time that and because we had been fighting or because I had done the things I did leading up, you know, the months prior to Tom's death that you were afraid, and these are your words, and I'm paraphrasing, but you're afraid to kind of rock that boat in case I'd go fucking off the handle again. And mm-hmm. right. because when I was so drunk, I was like a, I mean, it was a powder keg, a ticking time bomb. And, and I would, me and me and you saw eye to eye about everything. I mean, post when it came to we weren't fighting. I, I you didn't agree with any of my lifestyle decisions, but but I would you know call you all the time on the phone in a drunken stupor, threatening to kill somebody or <laughs> yes, Sarah yes, pissed me off. Yes, through the night. Yes, this this would go on all night, and my phone would be right next to my bed, which was a practice anyway as a mother when you have three children. Your phone's always right there. But with Chris, it was I was on high alert all the time, waiting for a call, 
either from him to scream at me, rage at me, or rage about someone to me, or tell me that he had harmed someone, that was a fear of mine, or that he harmed himself. So I was in a state of high alert from... for a very long time. And um, in between the... Tom's death and my going to rehab, um, there were plenty of those incidents. Uh, before Tom died, there was the funny incident that Jeff and I talked about once at, at Mojack's Tavern when you came up to a bunch of fucking Hell's Angels bikers <laughs> and told I them that, that I, yeah, and yelled at them because you thought they were influencing me to smoke a cigarette. And I mean, I was 27 years old. <laughs> Well, I think I told them, I said, he is not to be smoking. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> These guys in their, like, their their uh, vests and their, you know, grenades yeah. hanging off their belts and their <laughs> pistol knives and pistols in their boots. And she's telling them, though, he is <laughs> not to be smoking. That's amazing. Yeah, she almost got me killed. Um, I, uh... uh those were so so those were the funny incidents but then there was a couple of those but after after Tom died in, in those two years until I got sober um I didn't really realize what it's one of the things you do in rehab and one of the things you do when you work a program you 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 wake up a little bit and realize maybe not ever to the fullest extent of the shit that I put put you through um but you start, you get a little taste of it, and it's, and it's, uh, it's a hard pill to swallow. But you know, the only way that I can, you can say sorry till you're blue in the face. But the only way you can live remorsefully is by by living this life that I'm living now. It's just onward and upward, and healthy we i still have my moments so i got a, you know i get a little fucking moody because i am a recovering alcoholic you know my my mom's calling me captain quarantine because i'm barely protective over her <laughs> i i you know, we are we are sh we're sheltered so for those of you that don't know my mother and i are next door neighbors when i got out of rehab i stayed on her couch for a couple weeks <laughs> And Jeff, she was like folding my laundry, making these home cooked meals. She did not want me to go back to Belleville, where I had a roommate at a house we were living in. That the house was on it smelled East... like a stale bar in there. Ugh, <laughs> nasty. So we're gonna talk. And about I knew this. I wasn't letting Bristol go back there. <laughs> Bristol's my my puppy, the spoiled <laughs> granddaughter. She. <laughs> Jeff, my mom. It was on East Bell Avenue. My mom calls it Hell Avenue, and uh, <laughs> some of our, some of my, you know, not romantic girlfriends, but girlfriends that I grew up with, uh, in particular. I'm thinking of two of them. They would like report back to my mom how nasty it was because it was just cigs and ashtrays and booze, and, and they uh, didn't even want to use the restroom there. What? It, yeah, they get. Come on, they would. They. <laughs> <laughs> um, one night sarah had to go spend the night there because she stayed out too late with my Andrew older sister and stacy i think mom you easy on the names Jeff easy. didn't want to pick her up so um <laughs> she went to stay at hell 
Hell Avenue, Chris picked her up and she called me the next morning. She's like, you've got to come get me right now. This bed has no sheets on it. It's nasty gross. <laughs> it was a fucking frat house, man. It was bad. That, Kathy, you can't be dropping names. To, to we oh. got to be careful, but we're okay. The, the names you mentioned, I don't care about, but just, okay. uh, just easy, easy. Don't be. Um, one night, there was one time, uh, and I will not give, you know, we'll, uh, I have to skip over some of the details, but my father actually got in trouble, and I got a call on the highway, and my roommate, Tom and I were riding home from work. We, we carpooled, and I, I got a call from my roommate, and he said, uh, we got a little bit of a problem. I said, what's that? He goes, uh, you're, he, and I, the guy that says that he, when he's drinking, he kind of stutters and repeats himself, and he's like, fucking, uh, your mom uh, just threw all his fucking shit in the carport and fucking told me that uh, I got myself a new roommate. <laughs> and sure as shit, she, she took a bunch of his shit, threw it in the carport, told this guy before we and Tom and I got home, he had to stay there for two nights, and he he called her and was begging her to come back. Like, <laughs> so, awesome. so yeah. So, needless to say, when I got out of rehab, she was making sure she did not want me to go back to Belleville, and she was hold, uh, cradling uh, this like an egg. My my new sobriety. She was mm-hmm. worried, so she was making it hard for me to to rush back over there. And I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've so I've told this story, but. The townhouse next door to, to my mom's house, it's adjacent, became available for lease. And uh, the fucking address is, is Tom's birthday. So, you know, talk about a sign hitting you right in the face. And, uh, and I really had liked it over here. And it was quieter and, believe it or not, than Belleville, uh, somewhere in St. Louis. It's just just the way it is. And, um, and yes, I, I took it. And I've been living next door to my mother ever since. <laughs> And before I met my now wife, um, it was always in the back of my mind if I was trying to pick up some gal. Like, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't live with my mom, but I live next door. So, you know, I, my cousin had his restaurant, and I was real hot on the bartender there for a while. Great girl, um, and and because my mom was a regular there too, you know, she kind of was like, wait, do you live together? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about a talk about a fucking showstopper, man? God. But uh, and then you know if I brought a girl home, then that you can hear my mom's dog barking in the background. You know, they'd be checking on. It's just it, it was a, uh, but it was worth it, and and I wouldn't have it any other way because, um, believe it or or not, my my wife now and uh, is probably the first girl that I've dated, and during the like my my mom loves not some of my like exes from high school and college not necessarily the one that i i proposed to just to piss her off i didn't mean to give yeah. tom a heart attack but um th- she likes them now but when we were dating there was uh there my mom was a little she was kind of we always i always make fun of her called her that have you seen that movie monster in law with the with the no, it's just I would say no girls are allowed overnight in our family home, and I'd be up, and there they'd come up in boxer shorts and t-shirts, and you know you just didn't do that. Oh, well. One came to my work. In Mom, the all right, all right, yep, yep. yep. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. Okay. 
Um, it it just we yeah maybe I was a little young like anyway. Um, but now she like like yeah I think you guys are all friends on social media. You guys all are right. sweet and, and uh, we're good. The point is this the 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 girl I'm married to is um my mom and like. I mean, I'm if I if if something happens in this relationship, I'm fucked. My mom's already said that, like, see you later. I get Ashley in the custody. Get Ashley. Ashley's the favorite now. <laughs> no shit. It's really a pain in the ass. It's like I have now three sisters, and it's just me and dealing with three of them now instead of just two. So, so. So can we can we talk a little bit for other mothers that? Yeah, sure, mom. It's your show. Through, <laughs> well, that went through. What I went through and are still going through it. Yes. Um, I feel their pain. And um, can we talk a little bit about how that disease affects not only the moms, but the, the dads and the siblings and the friends and, you know, your your circle, your no. tribe. So. Yeah, I you, you beat me to the punch. We were, uh, I want, that, that's the meat and potatoes of this this episode i really want you to to speak to them i want you to i want to hand it over to you a little bit um and talk about what it looked like watching me uh self destruct for a lack of better terms and and probably an understatement um i i know you have some uh dear friends that have been in the same shoes that you're in i mean it's everywhere out there it yes it, it is and and talk about Talk about even checking when we checked into rehab together, how you drove me and, and that. Well, so, I think, first of all, your drinking started at an early age um, against anything I believed in. But one of my first, I guess, recollections of when I really saw this going on, we were at a hockey tournament, and I, I think you were early teens, and... Um, Dad started filling up the bathtub in our hotel room with ice and beers and some soft drinks. And next thing I know, he's letting you kids come in and drink the beer. And, and, um, well, we just won a big game. Well, I mean, you were (laughs) probably 13, you know, uh, well, not that young, but still. And I think that your drinking started at an early age, too early, like when, in the basement, you would have friends over, and I think you would be drinking. Yeah, Tom would always come down and say hand check to make sure that, well, you know. First so of my... all, Chris, we, we built this house with a walkout basement, and Chris, uh, when he was maybe 15, what, decided he wanted his room down there, and I said, absolutely not. You do not put a teenage boy in a basement with the door. Um, mm-hmm. And I was working at Barnes at the time, the evening shift and I came home and Tom and Chris had moved his bedroom down to the basement. And I think that's when the drinking and the, I think that's when it started probably um, on a frequent basis. So I'm just saying that Chris, I, I, not that you were an alcoholic then, but your drinking started at a young age. And of course it escalated through the years. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so no point. That's hard for a mom to see that. Sure, and there's no point to to lie about. It. I mean, I think you're you're. That's what happened. I would sit downstairs, 
Well, even my senior year in high school, I, I somehow worked the fucking system over. Like, I was going from to school from 8.30 to, like, 11.45 because it was a the marketing program where you just had to work 15 hours a week. And I had already mm-hmm. been—I had refereed hockey games at work, drove the Zamboni at the ice rink since I was 16. And so I would— I mean, I was going to school senior year um, three or four days of the week, brutally hungover. Um, I used to have people taking me, you know, remember shenanigans. We'd go to, I mean, we were going to these bars in Belleville when we were in high school. And um, on nights I wasn't going out where I was downstairs in this walkout apartment pretty much. I was sitting, I was drinking whiskey and uh, on the rocks, sipping on it. Where it was- were you getting the whiskey and the beer? Where were you getting your alcohol because you were too young to buy it at the time? Well, I, you know, had we had, I, I mean, I first off, I had IDs, but we also had connections at the liquor stores, um, which is, I don't know why we used to call the, the one liquor store, well, I probably, it's 2020, I don't want to ruffle any woke feathers, but... <laughs> There was a, there's a liquor store, um, you know, the one off by Wade Square. We used to, I mean, we'd buy an alcohol from that guy since we were 14. We used to drive to East St. Louis, Washington Park. They used to have a drive through deli called Riverside Deli where you would drive through it and they would just buy you, sell you liquor. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, so, and then. Did any parents that you know (laughs) purchase alcohol for you? I'm okay. I'm getting there. Then yeah. Then you know if you know, if I he knew I was being safe, Tom would give me what I you know a bottle. I just drink his VO, and he'd replenish it, and we'd sit downstairs and bond over a couple whiskeys. Um, and and it it became I became known as a guy that could handle his alcohol, and anybody if anybody needed to have a drink, they were calling Chris Pondoff. So so it. That's how it really took off, and uh, and because of the parenting shit that that you know, our your you know your guys's marriage was was ruffled because of that stuff quite a bit. Uh, never got divorced, but had some like all marriages some issues, and which I wouldn't trade it for the world now. Looking back, um, but it was a. Uh, there was times where Tom and I would live together because of all this, because you were undermined and all that. I get it. I've heard the stories from your perspective. And, 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 you know, I don't want to just, you know, my old man, it, this is just as much as I idolize him. There were some things that like, I don't want to do for my, my kiddo, my six year old. And I don't, I don't not, you know, the last thing I would ever do is dog on my old man. Right. Um, insanely loyal to to a fault but i get it now that i'm a father that i probably and we've talked about that quite often you and i have um but i did love that house man that was we had some fun and i remember my high school now that all you see in all these graduations and stuff uh i feel so bad for these kids but man that would suck to be that age going through this this quarantine stuff but we i had i had a baller graduation party at the house and i i thought you were there but you probably would have never been there for this because it was i mean i had a keg in the basement we had people well i was there i didn't know that the keg was in the basement but i was 
your teacher came by. I was yeah. there. Yeah. No, that was so. No, 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 no. So, yeah. so that was the that was uh, the graduation day part. Uh, not the the graduation day. That was the like when you have a graduation party and send out the cards. The party I'm talking about was after the night that we graduated. Like okay. we came back. Your oldest daughter got me that keg, by the way, and I'll yeah. <laughs> so, so you can have a talk with her after this show. Um, her but you're not and saying Stace, any names, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Her and <laughs> Stacy, yeah. So, um, but we were there were kids fighting in my backyard till at six in the morning when the sun was coming up. It was a, it was, it was nuts. Um, I had you know, the call the cops on you. No, I had them all in the bag. They, I had a buddy in his <laughs> minivan, and the, and the, in my, I had. We lived on this dead end, and he was, he was drilling some gal from the that he met that night. I don't know, but I should, your mom's <laughs> on this, Chris. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Shit. So anyway, hey, look, the, the point see, is that your drinking started very young. I um, mom, I I've had you and our pastor on this, and and <laughs> and God hasn't struck us down yet. So so. I'm rolling with the punches, uh, rough around the edges, but but we're giving back here. We're helping people, and uh, you, you, you. It's funny about our pastor. My my mother's the one who often says, "Well, you think? Um, do you think Matt would talk like that? Do you think Matt would say those things about <laughs> about his sister?" So, so I get that all the time, right? It's kind of a pain in my ass, but um, I'm not well, afraid to have. One call away. He's tell me that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and it's, it's I have to talk to him about that because so I you know he can't be he you know this what if I have, I have pastor client confidentiality he can't be saying shit to my mom right I mean is it is it that a court order or something I don't know about that mom do you remember my thirtieth birthday party Yeah, it was right at the alleged... worst yes yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't say, I, I forget. That. I can't say names. I mean, I'd, when I, it, we had a, they had, they were, yeah, my, my best man at my wedding, his, him and his wife is like a sister too. She, they threw a party for me. I think it was out of probably pity because I, it was, I, Tom died when I was 28, so I was 30 and turning 30 and they wanted to have a 30th birthday party for me and they knew how just a wreck of a life I was living um, and this time it was no, like, it wasn't, like, glorious, like, where I was out, you know, king shit at the bars or, and work in the room and having a, not that I ever had the pick of the litter with the girls, but was I successful, like, with picking up girls? Like, this was when I was at Rock Bottom wearing sweatpants and, and Crocs to, uh, and, and t-shirts to the tavern and passing out on the floor every night, um. So I was a wreck. I, there's pictures out there to prove it. Um, Screech often says that he has some of them, and uh, you know, if I ever piss him off, I would be a try to send some of them out. But these, I was a mess, man. And that day, my mom was coming over to my sisters, like over. They were living in St. Louis, and I was still in Belleville. And the house we were having was in Belleville. When they showed up, I was laying in the. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And I was laying in the back of their bathroom. I and we're convinced I was having alcohol withdrawal because I I got up that morning and didn't start drinking like I normally would on a Saturday. And I was so sick by four o'clock because I had taken it easy and not drank because I didn't want to be. Uh, I would start on Saturday morning about 
you know, whether it was a screwdriver with breakfast or just finish the whiskey that I left on the table from the night before, which I would do every morning. By five o'clock, I was done. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't done, but I was, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was done. So I, I paced, I didn't do that. I wanted to be, had the sense. I was like, I want to make it through this party and I'll start drinking about three or four. Well, something happened, man. I got sicker than a dog and I was laying on the, this bathroom floor for the first hour and a half of that party. And I heard my mom in the kitchen really worried about me. And she asked, this is how, this is how bad I was, Jeff. She asked one of my, my, my roommate at the time who also, um, he drinks quite a bit and, uh, and my mom cares for him deeply as well. But she asked him, she said, Hey, can you make him a drink? I, I'm afraid he's getting really sick because he hasn't drank. And she, she even told him to make it strong. Like, she hated that I drank whiskey the way I did, but that's what to get. And, and I, as soon as I, he did, he brought it back to me. I started drinking it and I rose from the fucking dead, like the undertaker and WWF. No, I really, I, I mean, just my nursing background told me he was very ill and I really felt he was, it was some kind of alcohol withdrawal. So anyway, needless yeah. to say, I was up till four in the morning, uh, cleaning up, uh, somebody's puke that night, not my own, um, because I was ready to roll. I was, I, was, yeah. I was off and at it. And then woke. I, I went, eventually went to sleep, woke up at about 8.30 the next morning, and then was back at it. But it was shortly after that it, we went. And, and if you remember, Mom, tell, them, tell our listeners what that was. My birthday's around Thanksgiving, so that a month later at Christmas, which is my last Christmas drinking, do you remember what I, what I had done on Christmas as far as gift-giving? Oh, yes. Um, you gave me and your sisters um, some of your prized possessions. Oh, wow. Yes. And so it, his oldest sister really caught, caught, caught it and was very, very worried um, about him. And I don't know if you want want to say what they were but they were just some of yeah, Chris's really prized possessions one being um the picture of you and dad correct where um yeah it's hard to talk about but mm -hmm. yeah i think you were just really at your lowest of lows at, at that point <clears throat> it's hard i it's hard for me with these podcasts because I've lived it once. And so I can't always listen to everyone because then I relive the pain you went through. And a mom is only as happy as her saddest kid and no matter how old they get. Um, and so I lived, I lived through the pain with Chris. And so it's hard when I revisit it in other words, which I'll do, but it's, you know, it's hard to talk about sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I've been prepping to just playing this interview or this episode out in my head for, since Jeff and I kind of came up with it and he was like, yeah, you should do that. And then now talking about it, going back to that is, uh, is pretty brutal. Um, and I didn't have a plan or anything, but I just knew that I, that I was coming to an end, that um, that it was happening. Um, 
my mom had got me set up with a who's still my primary care physician. I've talked about her because I'm, um, you know. I'm in madly in love with her. Sorry, Ash, but um, she was she was my she saved my life. She was my mother's doctor. She was she extended my mom's mom's life by five plus years. And um, my mom she's was she, for, um, your sister's yeah. doctor. Yeah, so I, yeah, she's this is another thing. It's like it's like fucking Pastor Matt. You know, I, I go to the doctor and she's already heard. Like they all. They've all emailed her lists of things that she's got to check off. You know, he's eating too much pizza. He's he's a little moody. You know, I mean, you should see these things. It's like a grocery list. It's ridiculous. Oh, they all they all contact my pastor and my physician for you know to try to tune me. To, 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 I'm a work in progress, but it's a blessing the, and a curse the, right there. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Jeff and I have talked um, often on this show about just starting at your your primary care physician your PCP with talking about like mental health stuff and and I had been since you talked me into going to see her um which was before Tom died and I was honest with her and she knew how Tom and I were living and she's a for you know a 100 pounds soaking wet um little Indian gal she's a ball breaker and um she's been on me she was on me and and towards the end there she was she had done some labs on my on my liver and it was it was bad news how high my liver was uh my liver enzymes were through the roof and approaching liver disease liver and she said yeah Mm -hmm. wow it's amazing though when you do stop and now um i guess i'm stealing your thunder but your liver enzymes (laughs) are back in normal range and you know she and called it a, a medical miracle. miracle. She called it mm-hmm. a medical miracle. Six, six months after. Well, and so when she had told me about that, that was probably months before my thirtieth birthday, and I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't, and uh, I don't know if that led to like, you know, giving away the. Yeah, because I didn't think I was going to see another Christmas. I didn't know it wasn't like I had a plan or a letter written out, but it was suicide by bottle, no question about it, and something a couple. You know, there was a there was an event. I finally checked into rehab then on March 25th of 2014, and there was a there was a you know a, a, I did something stupid on the uh, it was right around St. Patrick's Day, uh, right like the pat the party of St. Patrick's Day was maybe the Saturday after St. Pat's or whatever, and I went fucking psycho on on you know Kevin and God bless him. Uh, it was a safe person probably and. You know, he was my one of my best friend's fathers. I attacked at a bar in Belleville because oh my because my best friend had started blocking my calls, and I I stormed this tavern and went looking for him in the kitchen and the women's bathroom. Thought he was hiding from me, and uh, he wasn't there. But anyway, I made a big scene. It wasn't the main. It wasn't like oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm going to rehab. But I woke up the next morning and it was it was yeah the final straw. I was like. Either I'm gonna die, or, or I. So I called, I called my mom that weekend, and I said, I, I guess I'll, because her and Doctor and I do had been working. Oh, excuse me, I said her name, but her and my doctor had been working and and found a like they always, you know, you're finding a place, and they talk about it probably as more than I even know, as much it was doing to my mom's mental health, um, my lifestyle, and she had already lost Tom, and now she was losing me, and. 
they, so I called her and I said, I'm going to call Dr. Naidu on Monday. And, and and I don't know if you remember the exact call, but um, I know you weren't you weren't uh, getting your hopes up, right? When right. I when well, I called I always, you, I guess I was always hopeful, mm-hmm. but so so that Monday I went and saw Doctor Naidu, and she said you need to go right now. And this is the same thing I would tell people that I'm talking to now, and and I. I kept saying, I got to get my affairs in order. I got to get, and I hear that a lot now on my end. Um, I needed to go home and I needed to have a night, I guess, with a bottle and just sit and think about it and, you know, and nurse. I, I don't know, but I, I, I went home and, and, and I don't think you or Dr. Naidu thought I was going to show back up. I was going to follow through with it, but it was a Tuesday and I woke up that morning and I drove over to Webster where you were living and, I remember you took me to Straub's and got me some snacks. like, <laughs> And then we, we showed up at that place in New City. And um, and that I, I know that was hard on you, but you were brave. I, I, that's an understatement how brave you were for me. And because I was, it was the scariest day of my life. I, I often look back at a Facebook memory on that day, checking in. I, I put on my status, scariest day of my fucking life, and it was. And I remember going in and talking with the intake team, and you remember what I kept telling them, Mom? Yeah, you were going to be a casual drinker. Right. I yeah, you were, gonna, you were still going to drink at your buddy's barbecues. You'd have some beers. Some Coronas. Yeah. <laughs> around the pool. <laughs> They all kind of looked at me and like, all right, you know, fucking know it all. We'll just wait. <laughs> <What do you want? laughs> they kind of, they like shooed me out the door. It's like, okay, mom, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she but was I'll a, tell you what, that, that night was the first night that I slept sound in wow. a very long time. Knowing he was safe, he wasn't going to harm himself or anyone else. I saw uh, it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just going back to that, man, it it was checking into that place. They 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 strip search you, right? And they they put these scrubs on you. They take all like you could bring it overnight. You bring a bag of clothes and they wash it all. And I got my bag back and I had taken a my uh Jesus calling devotional. Actually, my mom packed it for me. And inside of it was a bunch of prayer cards that she had handwritten scriptures on. And I had my, my Ollie button for some for strength, and you included pictures of me and Tom. And um, it all was the foundation of my new life. And, and I've told the story a hundred times, thousand times, about how I had a screaming match with Jesus that night and just... Like was the ultimate humbling, and I I saw what grace felt, what grace was, and 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 started becoming grateful um, for my my mom. I had friends calling me in rehab, leaving me messages that I still have. Um, it was incredible, and I I I kind of took off in there with the uh, the group therapy stuff, and and. And and there I saw myself already helping people that were worse off than I was. Um, 
and I couldn't wait to, I couldn't wait to get out. I don't think, I think that goes for about everybody, but I got, I started to get my sense of humor back even in, in, in rehab because it, on April fools, I called my mom and told her I had relapsed on heroin from their, it's an April fool's joke, Jeff. Oh yeah. That was so mean. You're sick. Chris. I got her. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I got her. But when I got out, I, um, I had a place. She took care of me like she always has. And, um, and then it was, what I've always said, you receive grace from God and this this love from uh, this unconditional, everlasting, like you said, Mom, love from a mother that will cares, that has cared and done everything for you. And you, as many times as if I've taken for granted, I've thrown in her face, I've done all the shit a, you know, a, a faulted, shitty son can do. She's never left my side. And... <clears throat> and not everybody has that, and I understand that, and <clears throat> I do, and I'm grateful beyond words for for you and and part and and the tragic shit that we went through with Tom, um, you know, and the details that that will be left unsaid for now. But we we went through some real rough shit, and. Um, I heard it in in Matt's sermon on Sunday talking about perspective with how he he talked to a 92-year-old that goes to our church um who's been through the depression uh World War II Korea Vietnam all all that shit right the missile crisis you know for you liberals Trump um <laughs> But and, and and you relate to your own personal story and from from the go kart accident since I was little that our family went through with Johnny to all the lawsuits and shit with that for ten years through Tom through our family losing Oliver to you know it is now because of your staying with me and walking with me through all the pits um it is well with with my soul i know that and um and i'm so grateful for it and i just i owe it to you to do what we're doing now and the podcast is can be funny at times it could be vile if they want to call it that or vulgar not ever expecting you to approve of the language, but but Jeff and I are getting calls a lot, and we're we're able to relate with people and have helped some people, some real life people. Um, you know, as recently as this week at the rehab, and uh, and hope to give a a mother, a son, a loved one their addict back. Their alcoholic back um, and, and a road to recovery because, like you said earlier, who it affects around you that the the disease isn't the just the disease of the addict; it's the disease of the entire family. And like you said, you're only as happy as your saddest child. Uh, you know, one of your closest friends um, 
has you know has gone through it walked in you guys have talked often about it and how hard it is and what enabling looks like there was times jeff where at the towards the end my mom realized that she was getting me she would like give me groceries or or she would buy me pizzas i'd use her card and order a bunch of pizza to the house and she realized that's just freeing up money for alcohol so i mean she started getting me all these gift cards that said no booze or cigs and she didn't realize well, I could, yeah. Yeah, I could no sell. alcohol or cigarettes. <laughs> right. Yes, and then that that didn't work because you know then he was still getting food and yeah. uh, having money for alcohol. But one one thing I do want to um, a point I want to make to leave with other mothers: um, the journey was really really tough for me um, seeing your child disintegrate uh, like his soul his body it was just heartbreaking and I don't I I don't think I could have gotten through it without faith and without prayer and uh, support but one thing I found solace in was I do have to say that I would go to the poor Claire's in Belleville <laughs> and they're a sequestered, um, cloistered group of nuns. Um, you don't see them. Uh, you just can hear them singing a cappello behind a beautiful screen. And you can go into this little chapel that's so serene and pray and you can go to the window and, and write your prayer request on a small piece of paper and give it to them. So you put it through a window. And I did that often. And even before Tom died, he would even, if we'd be out, I'd say, oh, please let, let me run into the poor Claire's. So he, he knew what I was doing. Uh, he didn't object. He'd pull up and let me go in and pray for Chris and give them my prayer requests. So I just um, knew that God had his back and that God had the power to change Chris and make him a new creature. Um, but it was through faith and prayer. And I have to say, I have gone back on a couple of occasions to thank them uh, and let them know I the first anniversary I went back around that time and let them know I wanted to thank them for their prayers and told them my son Chris that you've prayed for is now sober a year and I went back another year and then I went back and put the note through that he's found this perfect girl I met <laughs> her at church and he's so faithful and loves God now and I went back and told him about Charlie you know but um and they'd always send me a, a letter in the mail typed on a typewriter um to thank me and let me know they were continuing to pray for my son and they were so happy he found a, a wife and um but anyway it's it was just through prayer and god walking with me through this journey that held me up you know mm -hmm. because when you're seeing your child stumble and crumble and disintegrate you know it's it's hard so Anyway, that's where I got my backbone was, I think, from God being with us and and uh, seeing the miracle now, you know, he did make Chris a new creature and uh, Chris is doing amazing, wonderful things and his heart is so good and he yearns to help anyone. Um, so anyway, I'm just so proud, Chris, of you. 
Well, I wouldn't be here without you. Um, I guess, you know, literally, but, <laughs> uh, but for, I mean, even throughout and, and wouldn't have made it to rehab. You were probably the last thing I had to live for. So, and uh, I do re, my youngest sister did tell me at one point that I, you know, without, without dad, she needed, she would need me one day to walk her down the aisle. And, um, I think that offer still might be on the table, <laughs> but, um, I think so. I think so. There was one time, Jeff, that, that we had kind of a, an, uh, an issue with a neighbor and all of the neighborhood we lived at. And I kind of pulled this guy out of his house at like 1130 at night on a Friday night. And I called my mom. I was like, I'm getting ready to, and she's like, <laughs> He can be a pain in the ass, but don't hit him like it was. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta. I gotta be careful with some of the storytelling. But uh... yeah, but all all your your niece or your cousins. I mean, everyone had their phones. They finally started turning their phone off at night so they could sleep. Because, you yeah. know, Chris would drunk dial everyone and tell them off or whatever. Had a big chip know? on my shoulder. Something about alcoholism. Yes. You always you got a big chip on your shoulder. And um, it's addiction, and it's amazing how things that get better when you when you when you face it and you and you go to treatment and and live a life in recovery um, medically. My my body is it's amazing how resilient it was. It's gone back to you know about eighty <laughs> percent. Uh, my hair hasn't quite grown grown back like it like it was, but my liver was a, a miracle. Um, your the anger starts dissipating. I was able to fucking grieve um, the right way, and I was able to walk with my grief. And now I can run with it at times. And uh, you know, you know, have a chip on your shoulder. Not everybody's out to piss you. You know, you just all that, all that starts subsiding, and and you just uh, life is so much more peaceful now. And I would never wanted to go back to that utter chaos that I was living. Um, that almost literally killed me. And, um, it's just, uh, there were times that when I was using, or I was up in college on a, on a real alcohol cocaine binge, be once all the doors were shut and all the girls were gone and it was just me alone, I would lay in bed and I'll be unable to go to sleep because I was so jacked up on speed that I would fear I was having a heart attack and I would pray to God to not do that to my mom and that I I would yearn for her like a little fucking baby yearns for a, a mom and I can count on both hands both feet I mean probably a hundred times that I would do that even out of college that it would I had done too much I couldn't fall asleep I'd start having a panic attack and I would start I would start crying like a baby for my mom. And there was times where I almost called her, but I would never, ever want to admit to her that I was doing doing that because I know how much it would crush her. And that shit goes through your head. And that, it's, I don't know. I, oh, it's just crazy. And I, I just, it is hard. This is a little bit harder than I maybe thought, but. The good news is now I, uh, I'm healthy. Um, what are the H's again? Holy, 
holy, healthy, and happy. Holy, and I'm. I went from zero, zero for three to three for three, um, in a pretty quick turnaround. And and I say that because I want also what my mother was saying about uh, clinging on to hope and her faith and and. There is hope to be had, and I don't want people to ever lose it. Um, I've seen cases that are so much worse than me that have turned around, and now are those kids are being celebrated. Those people are being celebrated as well because of their. It's just a miracle. It's the impossible become impossible. So, so we, I think that's the message here. And it, and if you ever have uh, any questions about enabling, um, on what it looks like, I, I urge. Mom, you went to Al-Anon meetings. Um, people to check out Al-Anon. They have Naranon for for f- families and friends of uh, you know drug addicts. Um, well, yeah, they they. Uh, I was still going over to Hell Avenue and taking <laughs> him shopping and trying to clean a little in that awful house and trying to like do all this for him and and him and his drunk roommates. You know, I thought, well, they've got to eat healthy, and I try to go buy him healthy food or take food there. And Friday's pizza. Me, oh, no, no, no. And it was so bad over there. I was there on a Sunday afternoon, and some guy pulled up in his front yard and to use the restroom. He started and, urinating. He started pissing on in my front oh. yard. Face. My mom freaked, like, dropped something. She goes, oh, my God, there's some man peeing, like, face in the house, <laughs> middle of the yard. It was just, you know, I mean, you can get a picture. It was bad over there. And so, um, I knocked that fucker out by the way, but I, anyway, that's not Christian. Someone was telling me, yeah, a friend of mine kept saying, you've got to go to Al-Anon. You are just enabling him. And so you can do it online if you don't want to actually go. But I really, it was a great support for me and telling me what not to do that I was doing. So, you can't be doing all that stuff <laughs> because then they manipulate you and then they make you feel guilty. Oh, you don't love them if you don't do this. And it's, it's bad. I would never say that. Oh, <laughs> oh you like my sisters more than me. Well, that's still know. an issue. Okay. We, <laughs> we can address that uh, a little later. That's still a big issue. But um, I, I remember you when they so you pick i went to rehab but you sent you sent my youngest sister over to hell avenue to get my doggy oh yes yeah. she she you you always say she jumped in your car and didn't look <laughs> didn't she look did back. not look back she went right from there to the groomer for a bath and we had her nails painted hot pink and she has been living her best life ever since she she jeff she I have pictures of where I'm passed out on the floor. So for for two years, I didn't sleep, uh, go to sleep. I would just fall asleep where I'm either on my couch or on the floor. And there's pictures of her overlooking, laying with her paws, overlooking like the edge of the couch, the edge of the bed at me. Just people take pictures of this, just looking at my fucking drunk, passed out, fat, you know what, man. Mm -hmm. It was embarrassing. But she's. It uh, even affects the dog. (laughs) It's all bad. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. So. so, what song are you guys gonna play for this one? I'm glad you asked. How, Dear Mama by Tupac. Oh, okay. Yeah, Isn't so, that okay? Did you a, play that person at your wedding or something? Tupac? No, that's 
No, I, well, that was California Love, but because Ash is from California, oh. but <laughs> we played you know, Dear Mama from Pupac. Tupac goes, you know, Mama, you always was a crack fiend, but Mama, you always was my black queen, Mama. Oh, that you song, put yeah. that on the CD for me years I did. ago. Yes. I did. <laughs> okay. Okay. I wondered what song was going to play. And I gave you a shout out on social media for for Nurses Day, and um, oh, thank you. We were dancing to that uh, to Simple Man, the song you always wanted to dance to with me too. And yeah. you gave a great speech, and and here mm-hmm. we are uh, now sheltered in place together. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, but a... you know, I want to say God bless all the mothers out there that um, have that are going through what I went through and um, it's a hard journey, but you know, God bless all of you mothers, you know, seeing your child in pain right now and don't give up on them. Don't ever give up. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a great message. Um, well, we, uh, we covered a lot and, and I could keep going, but well, uh, I know you've, you probably got a a dateline or something you want to want to catch. Get back to my book. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for doing this. Um, thanks for everything. Obviously, I don't know how to to close this the right way, but is it? Um, I, I it just there's it's so heavy. Like you've you've done everything, and then some that that you didn't need to and and we appreciate it um i appreciate it i've been able to now give some life to a to a traumatized little boy and who is now my son and and i couldn't have done any of that had you not uh met me where i was and and carried me and held my hand to to treatment and and that's how life can can really rebound for those of you that are listening that are maybe in the pit or at rock bottom. Um, Mom, I I love you, and uh, I'm just so so grateful for you. And I um, am still not perfect by any means, <laughs> but I uh, I love you very much, and I I wouldn't be alive. You you gave me life twice. Oh, at least. Oh, thank you so much, and I'm so proud of you. And I know you always think that that I you know love Tom more differently. (laughs) I loved him differently. Yes, of course, I understand. (laughs) I always, I always am at heart a mama's boy, and um, our dear friend Martha calls that out often when I'm asking you to still pick me up some groceries <laughs> and, at least i'm not boiling your eggs anymore he has a wife now Amen. she don't she don't do that shit either <laughs> well ashley tells him boil your own eggs and now and now um i'm even with with charlie i'm below charlie bristol Ashley, all my sisters, you know, it's I'm the bottom on the totem pole, Jeff. It's not all as hunky dory as it sounds. Yeah. I um Well, I love you, mom, and thanks for coming on and um I think your message is so hopeful for for parents and mothers especially that are are feeling so helpless watching their their child or their son or daughter 
uh, self-destruct and implode. And it's a helpless mm-hmm. feeling I can imagine um, watching that. And and I and we always will pray for the the parents and the mothers whose whose kid didn't didn't survive uh, this disease. I saw something that today that said we'll always we we will all have our last drink but the lucky ones get to talk about it in meetings and in recovery live to talk about it so there's we we are mindful that not everybody survives this and um and for those mothers that on mother's day we're we're praying so hard for you and um for those mothers that are in the middle of this gigantic storm, don't, as my mother said, don't ever lose hope. And like my mother always did say, that uh, God can change the heart of, of any man. So I think uh, we'll be a good place to, to leave it. Um, Jeff, thanks for uh, hosting this and listening to this. I know, uh, I know it. You know, we, you know, had happy Mother's Day to your mother too, brother. And yeah, of uh, course, yeah. <laughs> and um, thanks for being a part of the conversation as well as we're we're on this mission to to lend our hands out and help those that are are where I was and and the the folks that are battling the mental health demons um, that we all seem to struggle with a little more, some more than others, but. We're gonna keep on keeping on, Mom. I'm gonna I'll work on the language and um Thank you. And I'll work on the gambling. There's no sports to gamble on now, so um <laughs> I'm as square as they can be. And uh I'll try not to I'll try not to be so moody. Um especially with especially with your Charlie. Oh good. All right. That's, yeah, perfect. Well, well I love you so much. Love you too, honey. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. Love you too, brother. And you guys uh, have a good night and um, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, Everybody, I hope you had a great Mother's Day. And um, with that, let us pray. Amen. If you're struggling or know someone that is, please, please have them check out our podcast and reach out to Chris or me. We want to listen, and we're super eager to help. Pondoff's Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondoffsanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram.